Section 15 of Mother Earth Number 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Mother Earth Number 3. Section 15. Christopher Henstein by Voltairine de Clier. Of the Earth unearthly the sentence remained unfinished as i had written it two years and a half ago when disease laid its hand on me and all my manuscripts ended in a dash it was a description of christopher hanstein an explanation of his work in norway and now that i am ready to pick up the threads of life again i read that he is dead of the earth no more he who hardly ever belonged to it at this moment the most insistent memory i have of that delicate half aerial personality are the words when the doctors told me that i might perhaps not live longer than spring i thought if i die what will become of anarchism in norway he had no other idea of his meaning in life than this somewhere fluctuant in my memory runs broken music you have heard it an ineffectual angel beating his luminous wings within the void something like that words descriptive of shelley they haunt me whenever i would recall christopher hanstein perhaps to those who had known him in his youth before his body was consumed like a half-spent taper he might have seemed less spirit-like but when i met him three years ago this coming august his eyes were already burning with ethereal fires the pallor of waste was on the high fine forehead the cough racked him constantly and there was upon the whole being the unnameable evanescence of the autumn leaf only his autumn came in summer the utter incapacity of the man before the common practical requirements of life would have been irritating to ordinary individuals the getting of a meal or the clothing of the body with reference to the weather were things that he thought of vaguely uncomfortably only with forced attention what he saw clearly entranced by the vision was the future the free future he had been touched by the man wizard of olive shiner's dream of wild bees and the idea was real to him the things about him other people's realities were shadows oppressive shadows indeed but they did not concern him deeply it was the great currents of life he saw as real things and among all the confusion of world movements he could trace the shining stream that ran towards liberty and with his hectic face and burning eyes he followed it torn by the cough and parched by the fever the hansteins are a well-known family in norway clever and often eccentric christopher's aunt Augusta hansteen at the time of my visit an old lady over eighty having fought many a battle for the equality of woman both in norway and america artist linguist and literary woman of marked ability but after the manner of her contemporaries rather outlandish and even outrageous in her attacks on masculine prerogative she is a target of satirists and wits few of whom however approach her virility of intellect her father christopher's grandfather was an astronomer and mathematician in his youth christopher had gone afoot through the dials of norway and when he took me through the art galleries of christiana he was a most interesting guide 
through his actual acquaintance with the scenes and the characters of the dalesmen depicted he knew the lights upon the snow and rocks just what time of year shone on the leaves where the wood paths wound the dim glories of the mist upon the fjords the mountain stairways in their craggy walls and the veiled colors of the summer midnight and he knew the development of norwegian art life and literary life as one who wanders always in those paths mysteriously lit our hours of fraternization were few but memorable he was a frequent visitor at the house of olaf kringen the editor of the daily social democrat a big kindly norseman who had remembered me from america and who had defended me in his paper against the ridiculous charge in the ordinary press that i had come there to assassinate kaiser wilhelm through the efforts of hanstein and the kindliness and large-heartedness of kringen and his socialist comrades i spoke before the socialistic league of youth in their hall in christiana the hall was crowded over eight hundred being present and there was some little money in excess of expenses which was given to me i shared it with hanstein and he looked up with a bright flash in his dark eyes now he said till freiheit will come out one month sooner till freiheit towards freedom was his paper and would you know how it came out he set it up in his free moments he did the mechanical work and then being too poor to pay for its delivery through the post except the few copies that were sent abroad he took it from house to house himself over the hills of christiana he a consumptive the cough rending him there was a driving rain the night i left the city he wore no rubbers or gum coat i was in hopes that he might think the propaganda deserved that its one active worker should get a pair of rubbers since he must carry papers through the rain i reminded him that he should keep his feet dry he only glanced at them as if they were no concern of his and till freiheit will come out one month sooner it was in till freiheit that he had been guilty of high treason it happened once that king oscar in temporary retirement from public king business had left over to the crown prince the execution of certain matters which according to the ground law of norway could not be so left whereupon comrade hanstein printed an editorial saying oscar has broken the ground law and there is no more a king in norway for this he was charged with high treason and to escape imprisonment he went to england where he remained about a year among the london comrades when he returned there was some threat of carrying out the prosecution but probably to avoid wider publication of the king's treason the matter was dropped previous to that comrade hanstein had had experience of prison life in a may-day procession ostensibly to include all labor reform or revolutionary parties he declaring that anarchists should be given place to marched carrying a red flag the chief of police directed a subordinate to take the flag away from him easily enough done but not as an evidence of unwilling submission before he had struck the official in the face with his hand that little hand weak and delicate as a woman's an ordinary man would have pushed it aside like a feather and thought no more of it but the official paid tribute to the big will behind the puny flesh by sentencing him to seven months in prison my ignorance of norwegian prevents my giving any adequate idea of his work i know that he was the author of a little pamphlet die free Sumfind, free society and that he had translated and published one of kreptopkin's works whether the state or the conquest of bread i do not now remember 
which he had issued in a series of installments intended ultimately to be bound together as i recall the deep earnestness of his face in speaking of the difficulties he had had in getting it out and the unsolved difficulty still facing its completion i find myself wanting to pray that he saw the precious labor finished it was so much to him and i prophesied that the time will come when young norwegians will treasure up those sacrificial fragments as dearer than any richer and fuller literature they are the heart's blood of a dying man the harbinger of the anarchistic movement in norway i cannot say good-bye to him forever without a word concerning his personal existence as incomprehensible to the practical as his social dreams perhaps he had strong love of home and children and once he said the tone touched with melancholy it used to pain me to think that i should die and have no son but now i am contented that i have no son one knew it was the wrenching cough that made him contented a practical man would have rejoiced to be guiltless of transmitting the inheritance but one could see the dreamer grieved his eyes would grow humid looking at his little daughters and indeed they were bright beautiful children though not like him in the early wanderings he had met and loved a simple peasant woman unlettered but with sound and serviceable common sense and with the beauty of perfect honesty shining in her big norse blue eyes it was then and it is now a wonder to me how in that mystical brain of his replete with abstractions generalizations idealizations he placed his love for wife and children strong and tender as it was one could appreciate at once that he had no sense of the burden of practical life which his wife seemed to have taken up as naturally hers the whole world of the imagination wherein he so constantly moved seemed entirely without her ken yet this did not seem to trouble either nor did the fact that his unworldliness doubled her portion of responsibility seem to cause him to reflect that she was kept too busy like martha of old to choose that good part which he had chosen thinking of it now still with some sense of puzzlement i believe his love for human creatures and especially within the family relation were of that deep still yearning kind we feel towards the woods and hills of home the silent unobtrusive present fills us with rest and certainty and we are all uneased when we miss it yet we take it for granted and seldom dwell upon it in our active thoughts or realize the part it plays in us it belongs to the dark wells of being dear falling star of the northland so you have gone out and it was not yet morning. End of section 15